0: 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. And your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, yes. This will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. I wanted to share something about Father's Day this morning on that theme. And, and I think already in the kids video, we've actually almost heard a message be preached. I was pleased to hear about Uh, What God desires from fathers, uh, a little worried that fixing things is one of the things God desires from fathers. (laughs) Sorry, God, uh, (laughs) let you down there, but I will try harder. I am the guy who gave my wife a drill for Christmas. Um, (laughs) That's a true story. I actually did. Well, let me start with a story. Eight weeks to the day after the Allies had the D-Day landing on the beaches of Normandy in the small country town on the York Peninsula of Ardrossan. My dad was born and he grew up uh, in the town of Maitland, um, just up the road from Ardrossan. And uh, he had a childhood growing up in the post-war era, small country town, uh, a good childhood he had a loving mother and father. His dad was a successful uh, businessman in the town, so he grew up in a comfortable setting and like a lot of kids he grew up loving sport, uh, loving the outdoors, loving running around and and doing all this sort of stuff. But My dad's life um, experienced, uh, went through a difficult situation at the age of around 10 or 11. He one day noticed that one of his hands was bigger than one of his other hands and he commented to his parents, oh, look at this, one of my hands is bigger than, one of my, than my other hand. <laughs> and then it turned out, uh, after they went to the doctor to sort of check this out, that it wasn't just his hand, it was his entire left side, his foot, his leg, his arm. And uh, the observation of this coincided with uh, the polio e- epidemic that Australia was experiencing at the time. It's interesting we're in the time of a pandemic and at the time Australia was going through an epidemic an epidemic that closed schools for a time and did a number of things that we don't even really remember these days and so uh, polio was diagnosed through observation not through a blood test or something like that and so it was deemed that it was likely that my father had polio the result of that was he uh, had to be travel down to Adelaide where he was went into the uh, children's hospital, now the Women's and Children's Hospital. And he spent the next three months uh, strapped pretty much all day and all of the night strapped to a metal frame where he was laid out completely flat with his legs stretched out. They did this because they felt that, thought that if the muscles would contract, they would form in a different in the wrong shape and might have bowed legs or different things like that. And so we've got a photo, not of him, but of a child uh, suffering uh, polio. So dad spent three months in the hospital like that. No TV above the bed. Uh, That child's arms are free, but dad's arms were were held like that the whole time. And he spent three months like that. His parents live in Maitland, and, and so it wasn't like today where you could readily jump in a car and drive two hours and be back in Adelaide. So they they were only able to visit once every two weeks on a weekend. And he had one great aunt who he barely knew, who was very faithful and visited him for an hour, once or twice a week. And the rest of the time, he was just strapped down on, uh, on a bed. When he came out of the hospital after three months of that and he went back home, he was required to still be bed bound for at least another three months. He, not quite sure how long, but he spent the next few months on a bed. They would uh, He lived very close to the school, about 100 meters away, and they would literally wheel the bed from his house to the school, and there was a little space at the very front of the classroom where he'd be wheeled, and he'd sit or lie on his bed in the classroom and spend the day there for the next few months. And I was talking to my dad. I'd never really knew this story very much. And in fact, I only found out the full details of it this week as I prepared for this sermon and asked permission to share some of his story. And dad said to me, he said, it was kind of, kind of horrific when you think about it, what I went through. <laughs> I said, yeah, I think it probably was. I kind of think about an experience like that, an experience that, that people go through in life. So many people go through something in their childhood that is difficult that could potentially define their life. And, um, and I think feel like my dad had every reason maybe to be bitter or to be affected by that I- in some way and, and perhaps that to be the defining quality of his life. But dad went on to live really what I think is an amazing life. He uh, went on after that experience to become good at sport and, and a very good tennis player and, and a pretty decent golfer and just to love sport and he went on to excel in his studies, he studied medicine, and interestingly, for a guy who'd spent that experience stuck in a hospital, he then spent 40 years being a doctor, working in hospitals, and being a country GP, which is pretty remarkable. Maybe you might have thought he'd never wanna see a hospital again, but he went on to treat people suffering all sorts of different things. And the reason I share that is, Because when I then fast forward 30 uh, 30 or 40 years on uh, from my childhood, uh, dad went on obviously to marry, to have three kids. When I think about uh, my life now as as a father and as a man, and I think about the values in my life, what I've grown to discover is that the very same values that I hold in my life were the exact same values that my father held. My dad was a hardworking person and believed in hard work and just doing your best in all situation. He was someone who grew up in a township where he treated every single person exactly the same, whether they were the mayor, who lived across the road from us, or whether they were perhaps the lowest person, you know, socioeconomically in the town. Didn't really matter to dad, didn't matter to how we treated people as a family. Everyone was to be treated with respect. He was very humble. He was someone who chose to spend a lot of time serving the community. During my childhood, he was the president of the tennis club, president of the golf club, uh, chair of the church uh, parish council. Uh, He was uh, on the hospital board. He's still today, currently, I think, is the bowling club president, the church treasurer on the board of the Clare Valley Christian Outreach, and he does kairos ministry in prisons up in Port Augusta. He's a great man. He's lived a great life, but when I look at my values, the values I have, my values are loving family, Dad always made time for me, serving in the community, Dad also always had us in church every Sunday, and so my value of faith and church and raising my children in that way, the value of integrity and honesty, work ethic, reliability, doing my best and just seeking to make a difference in the world, they've all come from my dad. You see, fathers and mothers both have an incredibly vital role to play in life. Uh, mothers are primarily in the role of nurture and care. They also influence the values of children. But when kids fall over and graze their knees, it's normally to mum that they run in most cases. And I know every family is unique and every person's unique and all of that. But mothers have this incredible role of nurture and care. But when children go looking for direction in life and trying to set their value, in fact, defining their identity, significantly fathers have a primary role to play in that. Yes, fathers also nurture and care and mothers do the other part. So I'm not sort of saying it's one or the other, but fathers have this incredible role to play in helping shape the values and the direction that children take and their sense of identity and value in who they are. So fathers in this room... Briefly, this morning, I want to share to you with you about two foundational values, two foundational values that emerge from the scripture that I read. You could almost summarise them in one foundational value, but one or two either way, and they are simply this: "Blessed are all, blessed are those who fear the Lord, and walk in obedience to Him. Blessed are those who fear the Lord." and walk in obedience to Him. And it goes on to say, you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine, which means that actually if you fear the Lord and you walk in obedience with Him, then that will impact your spouse and her ability to flourish in her life. And it will indeed impact on your children and their ability to be healthy and flourishing and growing. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table, which again is a picture of fresh growth and fresh life and health and ultimately as the fruit grows into a branch and bears fruit, uh, fruitfulness. And so the two things, that the two values are to fear the Lord and to walk in obedience to Him. Very simple things. Fear of the Lord is an interesting thing. If you are hearing this as someone who's not a follower of Jesus or not really aware of the Bible fear tends to be always perceived as a a negative thing in our world fear is uh, something to be avoided Uh, fear is um, about being afraid and and we obviously if you've been around church you'll understand fear of the Lord is not about being scared of or afraid of God but it's actually about reverence to God it's about respect for God it's about recognizing how great and powerful and almighty our God is. And so we don't just kind of like, while we are invited into relationship with God and to be free in expressing prayer to Him, we do it with a spirit of reverence and awe, recognising that it's an immense privilege to be invited into that space. The Bible says, fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Psalm 1, verse 1. But it also uh, says over and over in Scripture, fear not for I am with you. So there's this interesting thing where actually when we fear God and we recognize how powerful and mighty He is, we then know that we are, when we then discover we're loved by Him, accepted by Him and in relationship with Him, that He's providing for us, that He's created us. It actually then gives us confidence to not fear the things of this world. So we can fear God, but we can fear not, for He is with us. To walk in obedience to Him, in the Old Testament, primarily meant to follow the law. The law had been revealed to the Israelites, and they were to walk in obedience to that law. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, the disciples experience uh, a new reality or a fresh reality of what it means to walk in obedience to God because Jesus is among them, and they literally walk following Jesus. And in a sense, while Jesus isn't physically present with us, Our spirituality today is not just about um, following rules, but actually walking in obedience with Jesus still. Because the Spirit in Pentecost has come into our lives, and now we are instructed to keep in step with the Spirit, which is about walking again. And uh, most of us at some point have been on a a long walk. You know, when you go on a, a long walk that takes all day, and I love that image of this idea of walking in obedience. Because walking is like, it's just one step and another step. You just, it's just one after the other. You go on a walk, it's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of steps. And faith is like that. It's not just like one moment, but it's actually just a moment and then another, another moment and another hour and another hour and another day and another day. It's just continuing daily, hourly to follow in obedience with God, and the fruit of that is that actually those around us will flourish and we will ourselves enjoy the fruitfulness of this. A couple of qualifiers on this passage. Firstly, this is clearly not just a passage for fathers or even just for men, this is for everyone. To fear the Lord and to walk in obedience with His ways is going to bring a fruitfulness in everyone's life. Secondly, it needs to be said that this passage is really a proverb. It's, it's like the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs are general truths, not absolute promises. Life is more complex than saying, if you do this, you can guarantee that this is going to happen. You know, follow this path and the guaranteed outcome for your wife and all your children's just going to be flourishing and health and everything's going to be rosy all the time. No, life's more complex than that. This is also set within the context of the Psalms. And if you read the Psalms, you get the fullness of Christian experience there. Highs and lows and blessings and challenges and success and failure and struggle. And so we know that this is a general principle, but it's not an absolute truth. People have the freedom to choose. And lastly, I'd want to say that for those who haven't had an earthly father to set these values or someone who may not have a father in the context of their family situation now, This does not mean you're going to lack values or that you're not going to be fruitful because God is very faithful and very gracious and he's at work in all sorts of family situations and God has the power to bring change and transformation in people's lives no matter what their context. But it's still a wonderful uh, challenge and encouragement to our fathers that to set as a foundational values, I am going to walk in obedience to God and live in fear, reverence, and respect to God. Because the thing is, just as I was so blessed to observe my father and to see him and to uh, see the model that he set for me, so the father's in the room right now, I can tell you, no matter what age or stage you're at, your children are watching. You're watching. And they're actually watching more than they're, (laughs) Listening. <laughs> Those of us who've got teenage kids know that's true. They're not listening a whole lot, but they are watching. My father, uh, my dad didn't um, actually say. He didn't tell me a whole lot. Like he never said to me, "Mark, when you grow up, you should serve in the local community." Mark, you should tell your kids to go. To, you know, you should take your kids to church every week. You should, you should work really hard. I, I can't remember him saying those things to me, but I remember seeing him living that way. So dads, remember this. Your kids are watching. They are observing. What you do will be more impactful than what you say. So I'm going to keep it really simple and, and pretty much leave it there. But I want to finish with an encouragement to the men in our church and to the fathers in our church. You see, this week I look back over my Father's Day message to make from the past few years to make sure I just didn't uh, say the same thing I've said in previous years. <laughs> but I also looked at the Mother's Day messages and I, I found something really interesting in how I preached Mother's Day messages versus Father's Day messages. So my, my Mother's Day messages have been primarily defined by kind of compassion and affirmation. My Mother's Day messages was like, women, you're amazing, you're doing a great job. And we understand how incredibly difficult it is to be a mother. So there's a lot of sort of compassion there. But my Father's Day messages were always like, men, step up, come on blokes, fire up. What are you doing? <laughs> Just raise the, you know, you can go to the next level. Come on blokes. And, uh, and there was a little less compassion in them. <laughs> Maybe a little less encouragement. What? So I'm going to finish with a word of encouragement. And the word of encouragement is this. As I look around this church at the men in this church and at the fathers in this church I want to say you have every reason to be encouraged we have got some great blokes in our church men who are, are strong in faith who are seeking to lead their families well who love their wives who love their kids who work in most cases, I- incredibly hard. And a lot of guys work really hard and work long hours but are also seeking to be actively involved in the lives of their children in a very meaningful way and and also contribute around the house significantly. And these days, with, with men and women working, lives are incredibly full and it is incredibly challenging and it is hard for blokes sometimes to find time for actually... Friendship and mateship and the kind of stuff where guys used to just work all week and then go off and do something all day, that doesn't happen very often. But I want to encourage guys and say, I think we've got some amazing blokes in our church who are following the Lord and leading their families and contributing in the life of the church and the community really well. So be encouraged, blokes. Keep doing what you're doing. And I wanted to finish with an opportunity, if the, if the band can start to come up, I wanted to finish with an opportunity today for the blokes in this church not just to be encouraged, but to be prayed for. Because it's not too often that we actually pray for, uh, for people. Uh, we don't do it enough. And so, guys, I wanted to give you an opportunity um, in a minute when I say just to stand up where you are, and then I want to ask that, the people around you can just get around those who stand up and put your hand on their shoulder and just pray a blessing over them. I think it's a really powerful thing if we actually don't just encourage our fathers, but pray for them. And not just our fathers, any blokes in the room, any blokes at any age, any stage, I just want to pray for those that want to receive prayer today. And so I'm going to ask you uh, in a second... If you want to. Now, there's no obligation, no pressure. If you don't feel comfortable for that to happen, that's absolutely fine. But this morning, if you would like to be prayed for as a man of faith, as a father, then I'm going to ask you just to stand up. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, Find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.